It's the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast. Coming in three, two, one. Steve Nerlich, Cheap Astronomy. Well, folks, it's time for another Astronomy Without a Telescope, and this week Julia's going to read it. This story about some allegedly faster-than-light neutrinos was breaking news not that long ago, but there have been some subsequent developments since then, so I'll come back at the end with all that. But in the meantime, take it away, Julia. Hi, my name is Julia, and I might not have a cheap astronomy website, but I do own a VMT, Very Medium Telescope. It is time for another Astronomy Without a Telescope, and I'm reading it this time because, well, Steve asked me to. Astronomy Without a Telescope, FTL Neutrinos or Not. The recent news from the Oscillation Project with Emulsion to Racking Apparatus, OPERA, Neutrino Experiment, that neutrinos have been clocked travelling faster than light made the headlines, and rightly so. There are some very robust infrastructure and measurement devices involved that give the data a certain gravitas. The researchers had appropriate cause to put their findings up for public scrutiny and peer review, and to their credit have produced a detailed paper on the subject beyond just the media releases we have seen. Nonetheless, it has been reported that some senior members of the OPERA research team declined to be associated with this paper, considering that it was all a bit preliminary. After all, the reported results indicate that the neutrinos crossed a distance of 730 kilometres in 60 nanoseconds less time than light would have taken. But given that light would have taken 2.4 million nanoseconds to cross the same distance, there is a lot hanging on such a proportionally tiny difference. It would have been a different story if the neutrinos had been clocked at 1.5 or 2 times light speed but this is more like 1.0025 times light speed, and it would have been no surprise to anyone to have found the neutrinos travelling at 99.99% of light speed, given their association with the Large Hadron Collider. So, confirming that they really are exceeding light speed, but only by a tiny amount, requires supreme confidence in the measuring systems used, and there are reasons to doubt that there are grounds for such confidence. The distance component of the speed calculation had an error of less than 20 centimetres out of the 730 kilometres path, or 0.00003%, if you like, over the data collection period. That's not much error, but then the degree to which the neutrinos are claimed to have moved faster than light isn't that much either. But the travel time component of the speed calculation is the real question mark here. The release time of neutrinos from the source could only be inferred as arriving from a 10.5 microsecond burst of protons from the CERN superproton synchrotron, or SPS, fired at a graphite target, which then releases neutrinos towards OPERA. The researchers substantially restrained the potential error, i.e. 10.5 microseconds, by comparing the time distributions of SBS proton release and neutrino detection at OPERA over repeated trials 
to give a probability density function of the time of emission of the neutrinos. But this is really just a long-winded way of saying they could only estimate the likely travel time more or less. And the dependence on GPS satellite links to timestamp the release and detection steps represents a further source of potential measurement error. It's also important to note that this was not a race. The 730km straight-line pathway to OPERA is through the Earth's crust, which is virtually transparent to neutrinos, but opaque to light. The travel time of light is hence inferred from measuring the path distance, so it was never the case that the neutrinos were seen to beat a light beam across the distance. The real problem with the OPERA experiment is that the calculated bettering of light speed is a very tiny margin that has been measured over a relatively short path distance. If the experiment could be repeated by firing at a neutrino detector on the moon, say, that longer path distance would deliver more robust and more convincing data, since, if the opera effect is real, the neutrinos should very obviously reach the moon quicker than a light beam could. Until then... It all seems a bit premature to start throwing out the physics textbooks. Again, not Steve Nerlich, but this is Cheap Astronomy. And thanks, Julia. Comments on the article generally agreed with the view that the faster-than-light finding must be measurement error, since A. The neutrinos should be travelling at 99.9% of light speed anyway, and B the apparent breaking of light speed only represented a tiny margin more than 100% light speed. And C, most of modern physics would fall in a heap if the result was actually correct. About a month later now, everyone is pointing to another paper by Van Elberg called Times of Flight Between a Source and a Detector observed from a GPS satellite. This paper alleges that there is a measurement error inherent in the fact that the Grand Sasso lab has used GPS satellites as stopwatches. Van Elberg argues the Grand Sasso method failed to account for the relativistic effects arising from the fact that GPS satellites move at a particular velocity in orbit and are hence in a completely different inertial frame of reference to the experiment on the ground. Essentially, the Grand Sasso experimental design was measuring speed as distance measured from orbit over time measured from the ground. But then it calculates speed as though both the time and the distance parameters were measured in the same frame of reference. It works out that while GPS satellites are adjusted for time dilation, an observer in orbit would also measure the distance travel between two points on the ground as slightly shorter than an observer on the ground would. This is because relativity physics requires that when you have time dilation, that is, clocks running slower you will also have length contraction. You've got to remember it's all about space-time. Not just space, and not just time. 
So it seems that when the Grand Sasso calculations are adjusted for that relativistic length contraction, it works out that when you calculate speed using time and distance parameters as they would be measured by an observer in the same frame of reference, you get a travel time which is 68 nanoseconds more than Grand Sasso had calculated, which in speed terms means they actually measured 99.99 etc. percent of the speed of light, but not more than the speed of light. Grand Sasso are yet to reply to this allegation, but this is sounding like at least one plausible explanation. OK, see you next week. Steve Nerlich, Cheap Astronomy. Across 10 years and more than 12 million downloads, we've brought you day after day of content. Thank you for making this possible. Now we've added a new way to donate to 365 Days of Astronomy to support editing, hosting, and production costs. Just visit www.patreon.com forward slash 365 Days of Astronomy and donate as much as you can. Share the podcast with your friends and send the Patreon link to them too. Every bit helps. As we head toward our 10th anniversary on January 1st, 2019, we have to ask, what in the cosmos do you want to hear about? Let us know by emailing us at info at 365daysofastronomy.org. Thank you. You are listening to the IYA 365 Days of Astronomy podcast. The 365 Days of Astronomy podcast is produced by the Planetary Science Institute. Audio post-production by Richard Drum. Bandwidth donated by Libsyn.com and Wizard Media. You may reproduce and distribute this audio for non-commercial purposes. Please consider supporting the podcast with a few dollars or euros. Visit us on the web at 365daysofastronomy.org or email us at info at 365daysofastronomy.org. This year we will celebrate the Year of Everyday Astronomers as we embrace amateur astronomer contributions and the importance of citizen science. Join us and share your story. Until tomorrow, goodbye. Goodbye.